and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is Panic Room, directed by David Fincher, starring Jodie Foster and Forrest Whitaker. My name is Cameron Tubman. I'm joined with Isaac Ransom. Isaac, how are you doing? I am Jodie Foster, and uh, Forrest Whitaker is the heat, and I am in the <laughs> panic room right now. Uh, it is yeah. just literally the surface of the sun in san jose right now like 110 okay i know i know a lot of people are like all right you know you should go to arizona we got like 113 and all that whatever bro if it's over 105 we're basically in an apocalyptic state in my mind i could barely <laughs> focus this is you know what it really gets me it's not that it's 110 at three o'clock it's that it's gonna be 85 at 11 at night mm. like how am i mm. supposed to cool down like i woke up with a migraine from the heat man like <laughs> it's just so i just want to i want to throw this out here the heat makes isaac very angry makes isaac very irritable and he is not in the room i am not in my room my room is like 90 degrees i am I'm outside in the living room if you hear the sound of the ac i don't care i don't want to die all right i'm in the panic room the, the green laser is shut. The door is shut. I am in full survival, okay? Uh, otherwise, I would be the one having a diabetic seizure or whatever happens, you know? Well, um, okay. So, so yeah. So, I, I'm obviously in San Francisco. So, we're spared much of the affliction of the the cruel and intense heat that, that you guys are getting. But today, I was, um, I was in Santa Rosa for work. Ugh. And it was one twelve. Oh, oh! So even even worse, oh. even more apocalyptic. I can't. Uh, I can't do it, that. It was like literally disaster. I mean, you know, the building luckily had air conditioning, but you walk outside and you you. It's like it's it feels like you're on Mars or something. Like it. it I don't know. There's like something about it when it gets that hot. You're like. The, you it's you, it goes into acceptance mode you're like i'm just gonna die like this yeah you, you can know? barely breathe oxygen you know god's existence suddenly becomes clear his wrath is raining upon <laughs> us you know it's just come on you know like it's just not right there's something supernatural about why we're being hit like this and i i just i can't handle it you know i yeah I, it's 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 against my nordic ancestry i'm supposed to be around <laughs> fog all right i'm supposed to be around like you know that cold European, you know, the wetlands, all that. Stuff. No, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I was in San Francisco today because I can barely, I just, I can barely make it by right now. I, I'm I mean, it was, I'm gonna... it was 86. It was 86 in the city. So you got to think that at least four people died, right? Like, oh, sure. Like that. That's a, that's disaster scenario too, you know? And I work for a company that, sells jackets cameron can you imagine trying yeah. to think through a marketing plan about jackets when you're dying of heat okay i was like i i can't do this i just can't do this today you know i just want to say my thermostat in the house i have a heater but the ac is like one of those window units it says 82 degrees this is my mm. relief right now the ac is on full blast this is my relief 82 degrees all right some of you cold-blooded creatures would be like sweet that sounds like a great temperature not for me Okay, we need to change the subject, Cameron. What, what have you been watching, man? Because I am, uh, I can't do this. Um, not too much, but I'm I am like a week ahead of where we are. So I did watch Zodiac. 
um, and can't wait to talk about it. It's going to be awesome. But uh, yeah, other than that, I'm, I've just been um, just been busy. I, I had a really busy weekend. I did like several outings, which is which is unusual for me. I'm kind of a hermit. So, um, you know, that was good. Yeah, I, I haven't been watching too much because I've been doing a bunch of like chores and tasks and stuff. Juliana's family threw a party on Saturday, so I was involved in prep on Friday and Saturday. Uh, a lot of yard work and things like that. So um, Sunday and Labor Day, of course, why this episode is late. Uh, I actually just spent most of the time relaxing and I got to watch Panic Room with Jules, which is very interesting. Um, because after watching some of other Fincher, some of the other Fincher movies, I was like, I don't know, man, like it could be a little too intense for her. But I, I stand by, you know, Juliana. I think she's a Fincher fan. I got to say, oh, you know, all right. I, I mean, because she's the one that showed me that she's been wanting me to watch the social network. She showed me Gone Girl. Yeah. And uh, this movie was a success for her. So that's been mm. the primary uh, viewing entertainment I've been playing. Uh, a lot of video games just to stay inside and yeah i've been meaning to watch rings of power i think i'll watch it tonight with glenn uh whenever he gets back um just because we're both we love lord of the rings and you know we suffered through the hobbit movies together we could suffer <laughs> through jeffrey bezos's middle earth in the third age or whatever it is the fourth what, what what when did the original or or like the classic movies take place Do you know i don't age? know <laughs> The, I have the no fourth idea. age. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. No, I, I'm interested in that too, but I, I hate watching TV as it's coming out. So I'll probably wait. Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know why it's just like such a thing. Like we, t did we talk about this with, um, with house of dragons? Um, was I mentioning this to you? Yeah. That you I said, yeah, you said you want to wait for it to come kind of around. Or... Yeah, I don't know, because I, I feel like if there's, you know, it'll be like one week where I, I'm just busy and I won't watch it. And then, you know, forever, I'll, I'll uh, it'll, it'll just exist out there and I will never get back to it. You know what I mean? Like, I, <laughs> it just always happens when I'm following a TV show. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I will probably wait um, until it's all out. But... Yeah, I'm I, interested. Her, I, hearing mixed things. Yeah, me too. I hear that it's expensive looking. Um, one of the things that I I'm interested in is okay. So I just looked it up. I'm pretty sure the original Lord of the Rings movies take place in the Third Age, um, and the Second Age is three thousand four hundred and forty one years before uh, uh, the emergence of the Ring Wraiths and things like that. So I've heard that. Um, there's a representation of Mordor, but it's like the before it's been like turned apocalyptic, which I think is a great idea if the show like watches the fall of Mordor because there's a shadow of Mordor or, or games and whatnot where you kind of saw like some of the remains of a civilization that weren't all like orc ruled. You know, it just it kind of gets me excited about the world of Lord of the Rings again. So I've I've heard mixed things about obviously the reception to the trailers beforehand, and I've heard that the opening episodes are slow, surprisingly slow, uh, mm. and 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 kind of I, I don't know like 
I, I just have to watch it before I can make an opinion about it. But it didn't sound like a negative slow. It just sounded like a very immersive world building thing that not much is happening yet, which yeah, you know, sometimes yeah. that can be good for a TV show. I, I don't really know, though. But. Yeah, well, that that's another thing why, like, I feel like it's sometimes it's best to to have at least like a chunk of of the episodes that you can follow through. You know, Cause, I mean, like, let let's be fair. The first Lord of the like, you know, uh, Fellowship. If you you know the extended cut, if you broke that up into like a TV series, you know, maybe like three episodes. The first two episodes are not going to be that interesting. Until like the, you know, the middle slash end of the the second episode. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. like it's it, it, it doesn't it doesn't quite, you know, ramp up yet until until sort of later on. Um, so so I, I, you know, I think that's fair. But yeah, Lord of the Rings is in a weird place, especially because recently I heard that reporting on Embracer Group buying Lord of the Rings completely or something hmm. like that, which is a very strange thing because Embracer Group is usually involved in video game publishing. So they now own that IP, which is weird considering that Amazon has invested in creating the show. And I don't know how that's going to go with, with the finances, but um, you know, it, it would just be interesting to see how it plays out. If, if there's another season that happens, the TV show is supposed to be really expensive, right? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. I think like a billion dollars. Yeah, I know that the, I I don't know I, I I heard so I don't know if I maybe I'm remembering this wrong, but I thought the budget for post production was five hundred million or something like that, or just the production alone, which means yeah. which means you know the marketing budget would be double that, so maybe that's the billion dollar uh, result. Yeah, which, maybe you know just just the the price tag alone kind of has me interested in checking out the first few episodes, and uh, we'll, we'll I'll, I'll have to report on that once I finally watch it, but. This is, again, Cinema Spectator. You can support us at patreon.com slash ecfsproductions. Throw a couple dollars our way. Get exclusive benefits for the show, like having your questions read on air. Uh, we usually read questions if we write in. So if you're a Patreon, make sure to message us uh, questions for the show. If you don't have a few dollars, it's all good. You can support the show by giving us a rating, sharing the show. All that stuff helps this small production grow. We appreciate you guys being here. We appreciate you guys listening. Cameron, we're continuing with Fincher Movies. Panic Room, kind of an interesting choice. Give us some context. Yeah, so Panic Room um, is obviously David Fincher's next movie after um, after doing Fight Club. Um, Fight Club comes out in 99, um, and it's obviously a kind of, uh, it's a mixed success in terms of box office numbers. So there was kind of a botched release uh but you know over the years it it ends up getting getting a sort of cult audience and then in its way towards um you know becoming sort of a mainstream staple of pop culture in a lot of ways um and pa uh, panic room in a lot uh, in a lot of ways like uh the game is kind of a lost darling i would say um it's it's not a movie that people I uh, really remember or talk about. Um, and personally, I think that's a shame. But um, but, you know, it's it's one that is surprisingly high budget for for what it is. I mean, it it really is sort of Fincher at his very simplest and very stripped down. 
it's a it's a movie in a house. You know, it all takes place basically in one location. Um, and you would think that would be like an indie uh, sort of budget movie idea. But no, I mean, it ended up being a very large um, production for Fincher. Um, and I think one of his goals in making uh, Panic Room was to make a movie that that um, took place in, in, in a house in sort of one location. But that also was basically like the best version of, of what that could be or the most, you know, highly produced version of what that could be. Um, so, you know, there, there's some there's some decisions made that um, are interesting in terms of of, you know, following these these characters. And then, um, you know, on top of that, I would say um, it it sees um, it, it sees a very Fincher-esque uh situation or scenario where people are kind of playing a game against each other. Um, and each, each one has its own, uh, motivation. Everybody, every, each character sort of exists, um, on their own timeline. And the, the fun and the drama of it, of the movie is seeing how they, uh, they gain an advantage over one another or seeing how they strategize basically um, to compete against each other. Um, not in sort of a, a linear sense in that way, as in like they're not actually competing, but they are competing in sort of a a world of survival um, in this kind of very uh, diabolical way. Um and, you know, another another thing that I find interesting rewatching this movie. Um, oh, I guess I'll, I'll go through the plot really quick. Um, takes place in a, a in a house. A, a newly divorced woman um, moves into sort of this giant um, uh, New York um, townhouse uh, with her daughter. And um, their first night of uh, staying there, they end up being uh, victims of a home invasion. Um, and, uh, this house has some very interesting features and unique features about safety and, um, sort of the, uh, (laughs) the security system that's set up, um, and sort of the, the criminals know that, uh, as well as the, uh, the criminals almost know a little bit more about the house, um, than, you know, these new, new tenants basically. So, um, there's a, there's a game of information going back and forth between sort of what they know about the house and sort of how they, how they use that to their advantage. Um, and it's, it's very much a straightforward thriller. I mean, it, it really is a, um, a, you know, you can watch it two ways. You know, one is a home invasion movie where, you know, you're rooting for um, for Jodie Foster's character and, you know, rooting for them to sort of succeed. And then the other way is like a robbery or a heist movie gone wrong. Um, and so, you know, there's a there's kind of a dual element uh, from that that I think works really, really well sort of as you're following these very slim characters. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the, the overall plot. Um, yeah, I guess I don't have too much more to add other than sort of it's, um, you know, in my mind, this is like, uh, in, in a lot of ways, it's a, it's sort of a raw example of Fincher doing sort of what he does best in that, um, 
that sort of dramatic, uh, very, you know, strategic and methodical um, kind of, of way of looking at characters um, and their motivations. So, yeah, I really, I really like what you said, Cameron, about watching the movie in two different manners, because I think that was one of the things that stuck out to me first was how the invaders of the home and, you know, Jodie Foster and her daughter, they, they're not, obviously, like, you sympathize for Jodie Foster's character because she's going through this divorce and these guys broke into her house, right? But from the moment the the criminals break in, there's this element of mystery and character, and they're not these, like, evil home invaders who are just out to kill, you know, whoever's in the home, you know, they, there's... They do a really clever job of setting them up as characters you're suddenly interested in. And for some reason, you're kind of rooting for them, too. It's sort of a confusing uh, situation because they hold information you want to know, but they don't mm -hmm. reveal it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, well, I just I mean, I guess minor spoilers, but I do think the movie uh, is enjoyable, even if you know a little bit more about it. And we'll try not to we'll try not to give away too much. But when they when they first enter the home, they're like, why is there someone here? You know, like this right. doesn't make any sense. You know, nobody was supposed to be here. And it's not done in a way where they're like cro crooks being like, no one's supposed to be here. You know, like it's actually like, wait, we've been here before. This is like kind of our stomping ground. Do you know what I mean? Like there's mm -hmm. like this, there's, there's something that elevates it with their delivery. Um, and the care uh, most of most of the crooks have been there before, so there's like there's kind of an interesting um, draw to to what's going on with them. I have to say, Cameron, and I brought up Juliana early on, but Jules hates the idea of people breaking and entering into a home. Sure, like, yeah. this is like her greatest nightmare, you know. Yeah, uh, and she told me she had nightmares the night after watching this movie, <laughs> but from I, I do want to say that I I think this is probably the most approachable Fincher movie I've watched. Mm. Um, because if Juliana can sit through a movie about home invasion when that's something she's freaked out by, you know, uh, and she found it fun and engaging and very, like she was glued to the screen watching it. Um, like I, I think there's something about it. And it never goes too far. It never goes to the dark uh, areas that Seven goes to. It never... Um, even, even like, uh, thinking about Gone Girl or, um, I would say even Fight Club is a little bit more gnarly. Um, mm -hmm. but this movie has a good balance of being kind of very cleanly set up. Um, it feels almost like a horror movie introduction at the beginning as you get to learn a little bit about the yeah. house, right? Um, and you realize the kind of the rules of engagement early on in the movie um, with like some of the unique aspects of the home being showed off and and uh, how you how you slowly kind of realize, OK, there's three stories on this home and there's a basement. And where are the characters on the three stories? I will say the house as a character is a little drab, but there's only a few unique features that stand out, I think this film could have had a lot more fun with, um, I guess, more visually striking rooms, but that's a fairly 
sad nitpick because I do think the rest of the movie is excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, there was a part of me that was like, oh, if we're going to be here, I wish something would pop a little bit more. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, um, I, I kind of, I kind of um, know what you mean, though. Um, I will say part of the, um, you know, part of the setup of of the drama aspect is that you know there is nothing to this house. You know, they're they're they literally have just moved in. They're in you know still in boxes and whatnot. And so you know you kind of do have to have that um, in order to set up some of the other. Uh, things later on, but I, I do, I do know what you mean. I, th- I feel like um, for a house that's this big and this kind of intriguing in some ways, um, there's a little bit uh, left to be desired there. Yeah, I do think it comes around later in the movie when they're in specific rooms and they're kind of tearing them apart, you know, and you you start to see little details with the characters, and um, but there's nothing like maybe overly creatively visual that's like i don't know like there's not like a red room or a yellow room or anything like you know i was like oh there could have been more color i think maybe part of it was just the times and the 2000s definitely (laughs) uh there's a couple stylistic camera movements going on in this movie that i'm like this reminds me of spider-man the first spider-man you know um so yeah, I, I I just think that's like some high praise. Juliana said she gives this movie an eight out of a ten, eight out of ten, which wow. uh, is pretty pretty high praise for her. She she said I really liked how um, the bad guys were not just bad. She was like it made it way more interesting to watch uh, because she didn't want to watch a movie about a bunch of evil dudes breaking into the home and stuff. Yeah, and I think I think that's kind of something that Fincher understands is that even even in some um, sort of even in in the worst of his characters, um, you know, someone like um, uh, like John Doe, um, there's something about them that you want to watch, right? You know, there's something about them that you're you're maybe even it's, it's even sort of a morbid curiosity of man, like he's he's so interesting but terrible i'm kind of fascinated by that um and then in these in in you know these characters i would say you know obviously forrest whitaker's character is the most um the the most compelling in terms of he's he's the one who you're kind of on the on the side of you know he feels immediately he's like the most responsible one of the group um but then you know, at the same time, uh, Jared Leto's character is very like he—he's—he's he's kind of off the wall in a, in a way, and you're not really sure what he's gonna do. You know, there's something sort of unhinged about him that you, that you want to keep watching. Um, and Raúl is a very mysterious character, especially in the beginning, um, because of how um, it seems like nobody knows what Raúl is gonna do. You know what I mean? Like there's. There's there's an added element of not even the the you know the people on his side are really um, on his side if that makes sense. Um, yeah, and I, I think their visual appearance too really plays that up because mm-hmm. yeah, Force Whitaker's kind of in that maintenance suit, uh, which is a cool heist look. You know, yeah. he's got all the tools and whatnot, and then Jared Leto's got like he's young and hip. He's wearing like his you know New York long coat <laughs> and. 
the uh, cornrows. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> he's he's pretty obnoxiously like I'm cool, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Raul just he has the ski mask and the big puffy jacket. You really don't know very much about him. I think it's it's a great setup. Um, yeah. For for what's going what what's about to go down, and uh, yeah, I just I think I was really surprised how reserved fincher was in this movie i think that's what yes. it kind of took me yeah. back because i felt like this could have been before seven this could have been a movie that um it was like he really stripped back and went back to basics you know i think i know this is kind of annoying to, to bring up guitars and guitar pedals but I've, I've had this experience and i think that some filmmakers go through this where it's like first you kind of pile on all this stuff you know you're like well more is better you know Mm. Um, and with my, with guitar pedal rigs, like for me, it was like a long time, you know, okay, I want every effect. I want everything available to me, like during a gig, right? I want to be able to do this effect or this sound, make, you know, my guitar do all these crazy things. When in reality you get up there on stage and you really start playing, you barely even turn on one or two pedals. Right. Um, and so I've really like, when I'm on stage, I had to like simplify, I'm like, what do I really need? And how does that actually make me a better musician playing a show like mm. less distraction more capability to actually remember to click a button or to uh, activate an effect or be able to creatively bring that into my playing as well um to me fight club was the big pedal board there was just a lot <laughs> there you know yeah, yeah. Uh, it kind of feels like there are moments and tangents where the characters get it really preachy or they're or they they kind of just go it, it's very f- uh, frenetic all of it um and there was a part of me that was like that aspect of fight club made me feel kind of cringed by it and i know mm-hmm. like and i said that originally i was like if i watch it again i'll probably get over that i can probably appreciate it and love it more um but Man, like this movie, it was almost like the opposite of that, where he was like, I'm going to seriously strip it down there. They're like, I don't know, like it's. The setting is small. There are not too many characters, you know, but it also has more characters than the last Fincher movies, which I thought was kind of interesting, right? Like. Mm-hmm. There's probably a total of six real characters in the movie. Whereas like you think about seven, all you can really think about is um, the three. Brad Pitt. But yeah, the, the three. Yeah. Right. Um, even though there are more characters, right? Like it's like when you think about those movies, there's like prominent three characters. Same with Fight Club. It's like three characters. This mm-hmm. movie, it feels like there are five characters that are kind of more interesting um, it, it's a lot to, uh, to me. It's like, it's a lot to manage five characters like, and they all feel well-rounded, but I think because of its confined nature, you know, you think about a, a other great movies like 12 angry men, like it's one room and 12 guys. So it's all about the characters. This movie is one house and five characters and they get to, they get to be able to balance that really well. Right. Right. Well, and, and yeah, I, I mean, I love what you say about sort of stripping it back when, you know, compared to to Fight Club, this is a movie that is relatively simple and um, very um, 
not showy, not flashy in the way that um, that Fight Club is. Uh, but I think it allows him to sort of um, it's like an exercise in um, in form. It, it, it's you know, it's this um, playground that he gets to sort of build, build very um, highly structured and highly uh, sort of um, motivating characters um, and who all have this sort of goal and purpose, um, and then play them off of each other. And then I, th- I think you'll, you also notice, um, or at least I did watching this. Um, I think this is, this might be his first movie that he really, um, he really, really starts to focus on camera movement and, uh, motivation in that sense, um, where people are sort of positioned, um, and how important that is to, to sort of portraying, um, the scenario, uh, you know, that's, and, and the, the emotions of, of the characters, um, you know, and you, you start to notice things like in the, in sort of the quote unquote action scenes, you know, where they're sort of running, uh, towards each other and, and they're, um, you know, there's a, there's a handful of moments that are sort of like chase scenes, um, reminiscent of something like in, in, uh, in seven, Whereas seven, you know, it's, it's handheld, it's kind of frenetic, you know, you're chasing, you're chasing after Brad Pitt and, and John Doe, you know, it's like you're in the motion. Um, but in, in this movie, it's very controlled, way more controlled. Um, you know, it'll be like the camera will, it's almost like the camera knows where things are happening and where things are going. You know, um, it has like this premonition. Um, I think he said that in the, in the commentary about sort of, um, he, he wanted sort of a, a godlike camera that already knows, um, you know, where things are happening and what things are, uh, you know, are, are being, how things are being affected. Um, and sort of the driver of the storytelling isn't, isn't that you're sort of part of the scene. It's that you're, you're really experiencing the scene as it unfolds, um, for both perspectives of this, of this character. Um, if that makes sense. And so like that, that is a total exercise in control and in sort of how he, um, how he operates. And I think going forward from now on, you know, you're going to start to see that more and more is, um, Fincher's just, just really elegant, um, camera movements and, uh, his, his, uh, his way of sort of implying emotion by sort of, um, you know, experiencing these, these characters at their, you know, velocity and sort of existing, um, as like an all knowing presence, um, between them, not sort of having this, um, you know, documentary style or shaky cam, you know, he, he really starts to, to strip that out of his movies in favor of a more, um, you know, uh, universal and, and, you know, unnatural looking, uh, camera. Yeah. I, I think some of the standout moments for me were, um, like, you know, the, the, the first person gun shot where like the gun is pointing at the door. Um, mm-hmm. there's like very stylistic choices with where the camera's placed. Whereas like, you know, talking about seven, like you mentioned, it does feel less yeah it feels less like 
I don't know. I don't know. Cause like for me, seven, it feels very classic noir, like very cinematic. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some incredible like wide shots happening. Whereas this, yeah, this movie feels much more surgical with its camera positioning. Um, I forgot to mention this in what I watched. I watched seven again, Cameron. I mm. watched it again this week. Um, and I watched it with my brother, Glenn, who was not probably in the mood. Now he's a big <laughs> fan of, uh, Zodiac, but I forced him to watch this movie. It's interesting, you know, to force someone to watch uh, a movie because it already taints their ability to appreciate it. But Glenn was pretty stressed that day. And I was like, come on, it'll be good. And he was like, this is super intense. But he was like, I really enjoyed it. It was just a little too dark for me for the day, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I I think the reason I wanted to bring that up is because for me, like seven, I was like, you got to see this movie. I know it's dark. Watching it again in context of someone being pretty stressed out I, it kind of changed my record. Not, it didn't change, but it was like, oh, okay, well, you know, you have to know kind of what you're getting into, right, um, right, right. you know, to watch it. But it's weird because Glenn was like, oh, Zodiac's way scarier than that. Oh, and it's way better, you know, for Glenn. He likes Zodiac more. Um, I think he's just biased, you know, that was <laughs> the movie that uh, really spoke to him from Fincher. But yeah. watching Panic Room after this, with Juliana, who's probably one of the most sensitive movie watchers that I that I've uh, sat with, like I found that this movie, like it really is a crowd pleaser. Like if I thought Seven was for everyone, Panic Room is really for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my dad even likes this movie. My dad mm-hmm. mentioned I mentioned that I was watching this movie this week, and he was like, "Oh yeah, that one's pretty good." You know he. He likes, uh, I think he likes Jodie Foster movies or something because he <laughs> likes this one and he loves Flight Plan. Uh, oh, too. really? Yeah. Um, which I've never seen Flight Plan, so I don't know if it's garbage or not. But, you know, um, I, 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 I just thought that was kind of curious, right? Jules, who's probably the most casual person I know who can't stomach a lot of violence. Like for her, this was like the right balance. Mm. Um, and with that, I was really like, this is Fincher's like entertainment first movie. There's really not a lot of like philosophy that I could pull out from this film. It was kind of just a roller coaster. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's very much like you're here to be entertained. And Cameron, you know how much I love that because I'm like, dude, sometimes that's just what you need. You know, like Mm -hmm. why can't movies be like that? And so for, (laughs) for me, I was like a major salute to Fincher watching this movie because I I just you want to be entertained most of the time and I think that like the dark edgy side uh that he was showing in the 90s I was like I don't know how much more I can take of that you know and I I really enjoyed seven um but after watching Fight Club I'm like if he turns it up another notch I'm gonna be irritated you know <laughs> like, yeah like, like I, I I was gonna be kind of upset by that so you can feel his his maturing happening in this movie but it's also interesting to see him mature and choose fun right like that that's that's what i think is really unique about this right because most of the time when directors mature you know i i think a lot of people think of scorsese going from the oh i saw goodfellas i can't watch wait to watch the irishman which i love both these movies you watch the irishman it's a very slow mature like like it has a lot to say. It's getting a lot more nuanced, right? There's a ton of wisdom in the Irishman. I think it's just, I, I don't know if I've seen a director who's been able to like 
kind of go through that crazy edgy phase being out there uh, and not dip into full depression, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like with being a mature filmmaker. I'm sh- like, yeah. I, I've seen a lot. Well, well I've seen uh, Gone Girl and that's obviously based on its source material. Um, and that felt a little bit more dark and kind of artistic-esque, right? Uh, so I, I, I just think that's a surprising step, Cameron. Can you think of other directors who have done that? Yeah, well, that that's always um, it's funny because everybody asks like, well, well, okay, so so I've always hated when directors just get sort of bigger and bigger, which is actually usually the trend, right? Um, you know, they do they do movies that are sort of bigger and bigger. I would say probably a good example of someone who at least knows how to find a balance uh, between sort of doing fun and. Um, and so, and you know, philosophical and sort of artistic movies. I think Spielberg is like probably the best at it, maybe. Um, but you know, for for me, like, I want I want um, I want Nolan to do a movie like this. You know what I mean? Like, mm, like yeah. this is this is. I I I'm like kind of desperate for. Um, like Villeneuve too, you know, I, I'm desperate for uh, people to go back to sort of doing something small and doing something low key and, and, and sort of really hone in uh, a particular thought or idea like the, and, and to be fair, um, you know, when talking about Nolan, I would say the closest we can get in a, for a, you know, for a Nolan movie is something like Dunkirk, which is extremely, stripped down in terms of of how it um you know like characters and everything like that um and and i would say it's a it's a it's a great movie it's one of his his sort of best um recent movies and and compared to something like Interstellar, which i think he did just before um dunkirk you know it's a much it's a much more bare bones movie it's not really that bare bones i mean you know <laughs> compared to something like this but uh but it does that make sense is that sort of a valid um is that is that a valid suggestion <laughs> yeah no, no no i actually think your 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 call out for spielberg is probably the most accurate although spielberg did have a pretty serious phase yeah um, yeah right like where he it's just interesting to see within these are the these are three movies back to back in a director's catalog, right? It's a pretty heavy shift, right? And, yeah, and not a, not a lot of time either. You know, that's I I thought that was, um, it was just surprising. Usually, you can kind of feel a trajectory with a director where they mm-hmm. can kind of you know uh, for for me my understanding of spielberg is i have no idea that guy's just a wizard now that's basically my <laughs> my idea of i was like i don't know what he does i'm not sure he just does it all right i'm not entirely right. sh- i i'm just confused by him most of the time because i've seen a lot that i like by him and other things that i've been not as interested in so it's yeah i just i thought that was kind of interesting when looking at fincher as a creator um you know, as you were talking about kind of more modern directors, I do think that Villeneuve will probably get back to something like what you're saying. I could totally see that for him. Maybe. Um, <laughs> but but I don't know. Like Christopher Nolan, I feel like he's he's just I, I feel like he's probably gonna be doing big budget movies for a long time until he's too old, you know, and then he'll get yeah. small again. 
Um, the I, I think I, I'm interested to see what Jordan Peele does with his success as a director mm-hmm. um, because he's been able to maintain kind of that small feeling with its with his characters where it's where it's kind of philosophical and the characters are really rounded out and and but it's still like he's get his projects are getting bigger and bigger but there's something still very um like exciting about the way he like brings you into a small setting like he he feels still restrained somehow um where he hasn't done like a a mega all-star cast movie yet you know what i mean um that's 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 just my thought but there's not really much more i want to say about about fincher's change besides i the fact that i'm just kind of excited that he uh made a movie that was all entertainment after his loss or his last few philosophical endeavors you know on the on the big screen i was just kind of shocked by that but yeah well and i and i would say um you know even though this this movie sort of is much more of a pure thriller you know it's kind of a straightforward story it doesn't doesn't mean a whole lot in terms of uh you know compares comparatively to some of his other movies um in a lot of ways i i really appreciate fincher's ability to juggle the philosophical with the entertaining um and i think he's he's sort of one of the best at um at doing that and even someone like villeneuve who i um, who I love and, you know, I think is is an excellent filmmaker. I think sometimes he leans more in favor of the philosophical side instead of the sort of inner, pure entertaining side. Um, so, you know, it is refreshing to see a movie like this where, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, his Fincher's catalog is um, sort of aspiring. It, it's like, you know, auteur level, you know, aspiring to be sort of um, high art or, you know, in, in a, in sort of a heavier light. Um, and then, you know, this one is just, is just pure fun. And, and in a lot of ways, um, it's a refreshing, you know, I, I kind of, I, I feel like Nope is, is similar, right? You know, it's a pure, um, kind of fun movie. Uh, it's, you know, it has a, a clear love of filmmaking, which, uh, which, you know, I think Panic Room absolutely does, um, you know, in terms of its influences in with, with other movies. Um, and, you know, I think, I think Peel is kind of known for doing a similar balance of sort of talking about, um, sociopolitical things, uh, and as well as, you know, making entertaining movies, um, and, you know, I think, I think personally, I think Nope is, is more leaning more on sort of just the fun side, you know? And so this, this movie I think is, is another excellent example of that. But I, I would say, you know, watching sort of a virtuosic filmmaker do something that is purely fun, um, is really kind of breathtaking in a lot of ways. You know, you, you kind of um you expect from a lot of these auteurs to do something that is much more um you know serious and dour um but i think this movie sort of stands apart in that way um 
because of its, you know, sort of pure love of, um, you know, the thriller essentially, you know, it's, it, it sort of is, is trying to be, you know, an excellent version of, you know, what a thriller could be. Um, and you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a popcorn movie. It's trying to be, um, you know, a, it, it's not trying to be a blockbuster necessarily, but it's trying to be entertaining. Um, and that's, uh, you don't always get that <laughs> from, from, you know, virtuosic directors, I guess. I know what a concept, right? Yeah. Who, who would have thought that that was something, you know, <laughs> these incredible directors would forget about, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I think, I think it's kind of easy to, to forget about that. Cause I, you know, if you think about it, the, the other examples of, you know, someone doing, you know, pure just popcorn entertainment is like a Marvel movie or something, you know? So like, I can see why, you know, someone like Scorsese is, is basically like, I don't want to make superhero movies, you know, they're not, they don't mean anything, you know, and, right. and gets jaded in that way. Um, so, but I think, I think there is a way you can make just a pure entertaining movie. See, I feel like you gotta, there, there's always a, a balance and, and I lean towards the side where I'm like, I'd rather be like effectively and creatively entertained, which I think this movie does. I, I think it's a crowd pleaser of a movie. Um, but sometimes I do hunger for a little bit more. And I don't think I was like looking for that when I was watching this movie. By the end, you're just invested in the story and you're excited to see where it all goes. Mm -hmm. right? Um, but yeah, like with Scorsese being like, I don't want to make a, a superhero movie. There's a part of me that's like, now I really want him to make one, you know, <laughs> like now, I, now I'd really be interested to see that. Right. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think, I think all in all, this movie is, ju is just a lot of fun. You should definitely see it. Um, I don't know, Cameron, you want to get into spoilers? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, yeah, I, I think I think. Is there anything more that you want to cover? I mean, I I feel like we kind of mostly touched on everybody, touched well, on the, characters. The, the movie is very straightforward, right? Like, yeah. I, there's not much more to get into besides spoilers. And even then, I don't even know how much more we have to talk about about with with the spoilers. I think the interesting side of this conversation has been like the fact that it's raw entertainment and it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. at that you know i think for me i'm like i just personally i'm like see you know like this is what i'm talking about you know like i i feel like so often in the conversation around like actual film experts or cinephiles and things like this like there's like a disdain for just the popcorn munching movies and that's what our podcast is about where there's got to be that middle ground sometimes. And for me, like Panic Room is a perfect example of a movie that's just like purely entertaining. It doesn't mean very much. I'm sure you can read it or interpret ideas around it because, you know, it's Fincher. There's got to be some stuff in there. Um, but it's like, this is a great movie. 
I, I know you feel the same way about Mad Max Fury Road. Mm-hmm. I know you feel the same way about the newest Top Gun, which I haven't seen, right? I I love when movies are able to just be the popcorn munching movies that film lovers or film experts or cinephiles can be like, whoa, that was awesome, you know? Yeah. And like, I don't know, like just personally, I'm like, this is a win in my books, you know? <laughs> like, I, yeah. I, I think occasionally there are cinephile movies that they win, they win me over a little bit, but they never like, they never like make me amazed or they, they never engage me as much as this movie does, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I guess that, that makes me, you know, a casual or whatnot, but I don't know. Like, again, it's like the pedal board thing. It's like, if you're a guitar player and you got pedals, those stomp boxes that you press on to make your guitar, make a different effects at the beginning, you start with not many, there's that middle point of your, you have way too many. And I think like that I'm talking about like the, the, the Wagyu beef, the prime, you know, steak is when you learn to kind of cut that back a little bit and just get back to the basics. Like that's where it's like, Ooh, that's, that is like prime filmmaking. What, what is crazy to me is that Fincher does this. What? I don't, I don't know what movie this is. His third, it's not his third movie, is it? It's his it's fourth. Third or watched. it's his fifth, um, uh, you know, including Alien 3, um, you know, and then 7, The Game, which we skipped, um, and then uh, Fight Club in this one. Yeah, it's just like, it feels pretty quick to get to the, um, to get where he's at at this movie, you know, and to have so many renowned movies after this, um, I don't know. I just, I'm excited to watch next week's film. And now I've never been more curious to watch the social network. So, um. <laughs> well, that's in two weeks. Um, but we, well, I'm, I'm excited to, to get your thoughts on Zodiac. I might watch it one more time. Um, it's a, it's a, I'll, I'll just say it's a very long movie um, and a, a bit more complex. And I would say it, it might be his most complex movie in terms of juggling characters and story. Um, it, it's, a you know, obviously the Zodiac, um, you know, being a real life case, it, it you know, it takes on a lot. Um, and um, I don't know. I think it's I think we're going to have a good good discussion about it. Um next week so but yeah we should spoil we should spoil this movie a little bit um i don't want to i don't want to like give away everything but i i guess i'm kind of interested like where the movie goes how do you how do you feel about it because i think okay first of all you've been warned go see this movie it's it's a lot of fun uh i don't even know if the spoilers are going to ruin it because i think the execution is like you said it's almost like it's training. It's like muscles or something. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Well, I, I love the, um, I love that turnaround in, in some ways you, you know, you kind of have to have, um, that last scene where, uh, where, where Burnham saves, uh, the family, you know, you, you, there's something about his character that, you know, you, you know, he's kind of in over his head, um, he doesn't want to do the wrong thing. He doesn't want to hurt people. Um, but he's, you know, ultimately he's, he's greedy. He's self-interested. Um, and so he, 
he ends up, um, you know, obviously coming back, um, killing Raul and and saving uh, the two of them or the three of them, I guess, because of the the husband is there as well. Um, and um, I don't know, for me, it's like it's a very classic sort of Hollywood ending in, in that way. Uh, you know, he gets he obviously gets captured after that. So in, in some ways, everything is is all right. In the end, you know, the bad guys get their comeuppance. The good guys get away only a little bit more scarred than than they came in. Um, and and there's there's a there's sort of a poetic justice of of, you know, having uh, Burnham, who is the the least reluctant to, to hurt people, kill the one who is, you know, most uh, willing to to use violence and, and willing to hurt people. Um, and so it, in that way, I, I really like, um, I like that kind of, you know, it feels like a, like a Humphrey Bogart movie or something, you know, it feels mm. like a classic, um, Hollywood noir s- story where, you know, or, or like double indemnity, you know, where, yeah, yeah. uh, the, you know, this, this plan goes sideways, um, and, you know, Nobody makes out well in the end, but uh, but you know the the bad guys are sort of brought to 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 justice in some way, um, and there's sort of a there's sort of a you know that that can seem cheesy, I think, for for some people, in that um, you know the the good guys win and the bad guys uh, lose, and you know if all is right in the world. Um, but it's a lot more complicated in in sort of the the best version of that, um, which is you know you kind of want Burnham to to succeed in some ways. You know you're kind of rooting for him, and at the same time you know you 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 appreciate that he's um, I guess the most sort of self controlled and and um, the one who has the most knowledge of of the house and you know there's a skill to sort of what he's doing as well um and so i don't know i i think it's a lot more sort of i don't it's it's not a um you know it's not like a groundbreaking conclusion or anything but i i do think um i think it works for me at least yeah i I really like the conclusion i think it 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 feels very satisfying as an audience member to see how it all goes down. I also really like kind of the setup with the cop beforehand and yeah. the interaction. I think it went on a little like just personally. I think it went on like their conversation went on a little too long. Um, but yeah, I love the tenseness of that scene. It's so like yeah, it 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 feels like even even though it you know because it goes on so long, I feel like it it makes it more um you know you're like is she gonna hint to them is she gonna uh you know what how is this how is this gonna get resolve itself um and you know and then you you ask yourself as well you're like okay what what do i do in that situation um you know do i uh do i sort of out myself um and and you know potentially um you know end up harming my own daughter or do I, you know, play it cool. And, you know, when someone is sort of there to, to, to save me or, you know, should be there to save me. Um, but you know, it, it might, it might cost me my, my daughter, you know, like it's a, it's a very, um, 
it's an it's just an interesting sort of moral choice that I think is explored pretty well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like there could have been. I don't know. There, there could have been something it, like I definitely felt that energy, but I was like, couldn't you also sort of like ask for a backup without telling them to come in? I, I don't know. Um, especially cause he was like, you know, you could tell us and we won't come in right now. You know, I was like, well then why wouldn't you, you know, um, there, there's a couple funny things in this movie that I don't think ruin anything, but the whole like propane explosion thing is a lot of fun, mm-hmm. but it's also kind of like, what the heck? Like, it's like yeah, they're, I know, they're I dead. <laughs> I don't know if that's how fire works, you know? Yeah, no, and, yeah 100%. And, uh, yeah, so it's, like, most most of the time, this movie stays fairly grounded, um, and I think its climax is also very, um, it's, like, less ridiculous than the rest of the movie, um, or some of the things that happen in, in the movie, Um I have to say the most ridiculous thing about this movie is how old her husband is. Like, <laughs> what is with that? She, no, that no, no. I think, I think that pa, makes, dude. I think that makes perfect sense because she's she's buying this giant uh, three story house in New York. She's obviously got a payday out of this uh, out of this divorce situation. Um, so I don't. Yeah, but I he's think, a, he's a he's a doctor. Why does he have to be old too? Well, I'm just saying, you know, there's, there's, you know, I don't know. It just feels, uh, feels right. It, be, it feels it right It became to a me. joke. It became a joke between Jill's and I were watching. Like, oh, we got to save grandpa. I mean, dad, you know, like, <laughs> just, I don't know what was going on with that. This like, is like the New York thing, you know, I don't know. It just, it sure, just is. Sure. That is the subtext of this movie. That is Fincher's <laughs> uh, deeper message in this one. But yeah, you know, the the whole scene with the phone line where she's calling her husband, that's really exciting. Um, and they're trying to figure out how to cut the phone line and the little reveal about the amount of money that's in there and Jared Leto getting his brains blown out. It's pretty, pretty exciting, too. I like how uh, Raul really changes um, that. That's like the turning moment. Where yeah. He's like kind of unhinged. You know, he's got the adrenaline going. Um and he becomes he becomes the main adversary where you're kind of like, is he gonna turn on Forrest Whitaker's character? You know, you're kind of always wondering like when he's walking around with that sledgehammer or something, what's gonna happen? Yeah, and um, Forrest Whitaker's character is thinking that too, you know. <laughs> he's 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 worried about uh, you know, this unhinged guy who brought a gun who, you know, wasn't even supposed to be here, who just shot, you know, my partner, basically. And so right. that that's why like I think I do think the the drama element is really interesting and engaging. And even though, um, you know, all three of them are bad guys, you know, they're the villains, but, but it makes it fun to watch because, you know, you like, you like some of them more than you like others. Um, and so there's a, there's an, you know, there's an element to it where you, you want, you want one to succeed, uh, at the expense of, of, you know, Raul, so it's like yeah. it, it it the play against each other I feel like is really um I don't know it makes it it makes it more interesting. No, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, this there's, there's a lot of great thriller moments in this movie that make you um just excited to see how it all plays out from you know the the, the kind of the cover of the movie with that camera shot that like turns yeah. you know 90 or 180 degrees like that's very 
that just feels like a moment where you're like, I am in love with the tension in this movie. That's, yeah, it's pretty that's, scary. That's, <laughs> that's probably the highest compliment, though, is that when the tension or the horror is something you love to watch on the screen. Mm-hmm. Like, I, and, and that's what, like bringing up Peel, right? I think he does an excellent job at balancing uh, that because I think great horror is actually, to me, it's like, it's really thriller. Like that, that's what, that, that's what, that's what hooks the audience. It's not being grossed out. It's being mesmerized or like intrigued. Right. And this movie really does that from the get go. Um, I will say the beginning intro of the house is a little like Juliana super tuned out. And I was like, okay, wait, are you picking up on that? Like they mentioned like the money and the guy that he was here was rich before. And did you notice like all these little details the realtor's talking about? And she was like, no, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. okay. You know? Um, but yeah, the, the, it, it does a great job establishing what is about to unfold and you can tell pretty early on that's what it's doing. Um, and it, it doesn't really waste time getting there either. It has a, it has a good time, uh, kind of feeding you a lot of information quickly and then it starts and it really lets you kind of ride the roller coaster. I will say, Cameron, the three stories, you know, it reminded me of, uh, uh, that that modern warfare mission in the in the last Call of Duty game, the, you know what I'm talking about? With, like, yeah, the yeah. Where you're, yeah, uh, where you're growing up the <laughs> going up the house. Yeah, I was like shooting civilians. Like, and then there's like moments where like the three burglars are going up the stairs together, mm-hmm. kind of like the breach and clear thing. I was like, oh, this is really, I don't know. Like, um, even though it is kind of that gray color scheme, it's still remains visually uh engaging and satisfying i think juliana was blown away she was like how old is this movie and because you know you see some of the older tech with the vhs players and the crts and stuff mm-hmm. uh and i was like yeah it's like early 2000s really early and she was like wow like it looks looks like it came out like five years ago you know like it's it's very yeah. uh very pretty and even the use of cgi when the camera's going through like chairs or scissors or whatever the heck it goes through that kitchen, you know what I'm talking about? Like, through, through the like, coffee like, pot. Through, yeah, it goes through the coffee pot. Like, it's very well done CGI where you don't, like, besides the shot being kind of strangely Matrix, there's never a aging Matrix CGI element in this movie besides the, the technology. The fire. Um, the fire isn't, like, the best, but... Um, no, the fire's terrible. Yeah. I, I just, I'm just talking about, like, yeah, the I, digital I know what you elements. Yeah. yeah, the digital elements that the camera goes through are surprisingly well done. Yeah, uh, because I've seen cameras go through digital elements that look horrific from this era. <laughs> you know, right, um, right. So well, and I would say an interesting thing that we'll notice going forward with Fincher, and you kind of start to see it with uh, with Fight Club, but um, he he is very he's very good at at. Uh, blending cg and sort of hiding it um where it's like just imperceptible um i was watching Mm. a an amazing it was like a short little clip on on twitter that i saw um and it uh do you know mind hunter um the tv show yeah um so fincher obviously he kind of spearheaded uh mind hunter and it was uh you know uh he's he's the director of 
Um, uh, you could call him the showrunner, basically. But um, they were they were talking about how um, <laughs> uh, he's so detail oriented that he added on on the sidewalk. He added the um, you know how there's like the ADA ramps nowadays. Um, yeah, where, you know, the sidewalk will dip down so that like a wheelchair can get by. Um, well, obviously they didn't have this in like the seventies when, (laughs) um, you know, when the show takes place. And so they, they just re-add the curb to the, (laughs) to the, to the sidewalk where you like, it's a, it's a little tiny, uh, CGI thing that you would never even look at and never even notice. Um, but it's just an example of how, how good he is at, um, at just hiding little details in CG, um, where you would just, you just wouldn't even think about it. Um, and you know, it's amazing because we'll, we'll watch, um, we'll watch social network and you could, you'd be like, oh, there's no CG in that movie. (laughs) Well, you would be wrong (laughs) because there's a lot of CG in that movie. That Um, is awesome. So, yeah. So, um, I'm just, you know, I'm excited to sort of see his progression in that way because um, it's something that I've always noticed about his movies is that they they do look, um, I don't want to say digital because that sounds like a slur or something, you know, but like they look um, like pristine in that way, in the digital mm. way. Um, yeah. And so, you know, even though I think, I think Panagroom was shot on film uh, as far as I know. Um, this might be his last movie shot on film, but, um, you know, still like he, he has, a he's going to get to a, to a place that, um, you know, really utilizes the, the clean aesthetic of, of digital, um, in an interesting way that, you know, basically no other directors are doing nowadays. So. Cool. Yeah. I've kind of just that conversation between digital, digital and analog, like you got to love the analog stuff, but. I don't know. I've kind of swayed back and forth when it comes to like audio gear, thinking about that and just the way that modern cameras look too now today. It's just like, if you want to make a camera look old school, you can kind of do it, especially if you're doing it on a, on a, (laughs) on some of those like super like cinema cameras, like a red, like the amount of control you can have to make that thing look exactly how you want it to look. It's just, it's astonishing, you yeah. know? So, well, I don't that, know. That, like, um, that's sort of what... Uh, Fincher uses reds nowadays. Um, and, you know, he he utilizes the the resolution to sort of reframe um, and do a lot of, um, you know, elaborate movements with a camera that he wouldn't have been able to do, uh, you know, in, in real life. So, um, hmm. you know, it's, it's an interesting... It's an interesting argument, obviously, because, you know, another virtuosic filmmaker, Nolan, you know, is is very much against digital. He he loves film. Um, and it's just, you know, no, I don't think either are right. Um, they're just, uh, you know, different approaches to to making what they um, what they need to do. You know, so. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think. There are some people that are like, let's do it perfect on the one take. It's going to look exactly how I want it to look. And then there are the people that have 
the need to like really overanalyze it in post and make sure that they'd never missed anything. I don't know where I stand creatively when it comes to video and film on that, just because, you know, Cameron, you have a professional career in video and I do a lot of that for my job right now, but I wouldn't consider myself a professional. But I feel like most of the time when it comes to audio and video, I have the mentality of let's shoot as if we miss something. Like it's like a preventative measure, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I guess 100%. movies are not like that, but uh, or maybe these guys have the budget to not care about that. But I feel well, like maybe Fincher, because he's so sworn to digital, the preventative measure is taken care of. I don't know. It's well, just well, yeah. Kind the, of a technical I mean, thing. He's he's notorious for um doing like an insane amount of of takes and oh there you go there you go you know and uh, like even for for fight club which was um you know a, a movie shot on film um i think he shot like six times the the standard amount for a movie of that length you know so so he he's he's you know like this is this is his thing and nowadays with digital you know this is like he will just take you know a hundred takes uh, to get you know the one that he wants, and I think he's, I think really what he's it been is, enabled. He's been enabled. He's just completely unhinged. Literally, you know? <laughs> literally, yeah. No, I. But I think I think what he what he does, um, and the purpose for taking so many takes, um, it, it's it's for his actors, um, and like that's how he, that's how he designs sort of the characters and the delivery of his lines, and it's kind of subtle. Like you don't you don't notice it necessarily, but. Um, in a lot of ways you can, you can see how he could be sort of controlling, um, it's especially like in his modern, uh, in his modern stuff. Like, I think, I think Gone Girl is a good example of like, you know, they really do, um, there's something kind of uh, a little bit like ghostly about their performances, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I gotta revisit that movie because I do remember it being. Well, I think like we should drama, do it. I think we should. The drama in the thrill of that movie is that you really don't know where the characters stand. Yeah, you know, and I think it's yeah, it's it's very meticulous. But boy, now that I know that about Fincher, that yeah, I'm sure Red is like, how about just one more memory card, Fincher? You know, you probably got to buy one more, right? Yeah, his D- like, well, his yeah. DIT is like, no, please, no more takes. <laughs> and so is his act. I mean, I'm sure his actors hate it too. I think, like, I think it depends on on who, like, there are actors who love that and actors who, who don't. You know. Yeah, you got you got to imagine that. Um, I, it's interesting what you said. It's like to the benefit of his actors, like. I think about Gone Girl and, and Ben Affleck, who I don't think is a bad actor at all, but you've seen him in things where he's like, eh, you know, like he's not, <laughs> not the best, right? Yeah. Um, but you think about his performance in Gone Girl, and you're like, whoa, like that's a good one. Yeah, you know? and, and the subtleties uh, are there. You know, he's, he's you're, not, you're not sure if he's, well, you know, you're not sure what he's thinking behind the scenes. You know, it feels like, um, it feels <laughs> like there is something <laughs> hiding. You know, in the he characters. doesn't even know what he's thinking about it. He's like, "This is take two hundred, man." Like, <laughs> well, what yeah, exactly. What no, is exactly. happening? I think that's I think that's the the exact reason is like, you don't want them. You know, for a lot of his characters, they are thinking something else that they're not saying. You know what I mean? They mm. have they have something going on 
that 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 is behind behind closed doors and just waiting you know for it to come out and so if you if you do a, a take earnestly you know you you do it where they're saying the things that they that they mean you know that it feels like there's nothing going on you know behind the scenes but fincher really wants you to think that no there's something there's probably something more that they're that these characters are thinking you know yeah yeah i do think that jared leto's performance is probably one of the weaker ones in this movie mm-hmm. um i i don't know like knowing that context there's a part of me that thinks maybe he was just um <laughs> maybe he was just like trying to overperform. Uh, because it was the 200th take and he's like, I'm just going to give it my all right now, you know? Yeah. Um, um yeah. But. I mean, I, I think, I think he's, he's good. I like, um, I like his sort of, um, bombastic attitude in, especially like in contrast to the other two, um, invaders, you know, they're like, they're very, um, you know, Raul's very calm and collected, um, and uh burnham is very um you know queasy about doing things that are violent but he's more he's more loose with his with his attitude um and so i i do yeah i do i think i think it's not a it's not a bad performance at all no 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 i i I don't i don't think that but i'm just now now i can't stop thinking about the 200 takes or whatever (laughs) Uh, that's that is awesome that is awesome yeah well, Cameron, anything else you want to add to the episode? No, I mean, I think, um, yeah, I think, I mean, I think you see a shift in his style now um, that I'm going to mm. keep talking about for the future. So, so just keep this movie in mind when we're, when we're talking about Zodiac, because um, I think you really do see sort of the, the fruits of him being more, more restrained, leaning on sort of a, a you know, a much simpler, but more effective style. Um, and less sort of, you know, using multiple tools to, to get the job done. He's really honing in on perfecting the, the, you know, his one or two tools in his toolbox. Um, so love it. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for that. Well, we'd usually post every Tuesday, but there was a holiday and I was also kind of hoping it was going to cool down, but (laughs) you know, Nope. I, I, I apologize if the audio is garbage, but I don't think I don't think it'll be too bad. Hopefully you won't notice the fan noise too much. But um, we do post every Tuesday. We appreciate your guys support. We appreciate you guys listening, especially to the end of the episode. Next week's movie is Zodiac. If you want to watch it with us and hear our review, it's usually how I suggest it, even though we try not to get the spoilers uh, early on. I think it's just a better way to enjoy the show. So we appreciate you guys. Thank you. And we'll see you next week. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at Patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.